Our reading today is Psalm 16. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious one in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase, who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. If you don't know me, my name is Johnny. I was privileged to be a member of St. Helens until about two years ago. Today, I'm sharing with you what's become my lockdown psalm, as it were, Psalm 16. But first, I want you to imagine yourselves into the shoes of Olive, who I've made up. It's 10 in the evening, and Olive finally closes her laptop, having finished the day's work. It's been a hard day, juggling, looking after the children, making sure they do their lockdown homework, while cooking the food, keeping on top of the housework, and doing her actual job. She's had to work into the evening, it's been a hard day. Her children have almost driven her to the limit. None of it has been for her. Well, what does she do now? What would you do now? She probably should go to bed, it'll be an early start tomorrow. But she feels kind of empty. So instead, she stands there in front of the fridge, thinking what treat she could have. She settles for cookies and cream with a bit of Netflix. In the height of lockdown, it was, for many, really hard. The pressures have been many, the fear of death, uncertainty, complex work and home situations, financial pressures, perhaps even just boredom. The question I'd like to consider with you all this morning is this. Under pressure, how do you cope? What is your coping mechanism? Well, Psalm 16 was written by King David, the great and ancient king of Israel. And he knew a thing or two about pressure. Years spent fleeing for his life, a kingdom often in a mess. Then his family, even his own son Absalom, led a civil war against him. No wonder he starts this psalm, keep me safe, my God. Verse 10 shows us he was fearful for his life. Maybe he was ill. Maybe he feared the assassin. Either way, many were the haystacks that should have broken this camel's back. But David had learnt 
how not to buckle under pressure. For he had learnt to say, verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. In this psalm, there are two options for coping under pressure. I'm going to call them my way and David's way. Not my way because I think it's a good way. No, it's a really bad way. But my way because I've seen this in myself and I think you will have too. So let's start with my way. And it can be summed up really simply. It's the way apart from the Lord. It's there in verse 4, those who run after other gods. Perhaps Baal, the pagan god of rain. You can imagine how it begins. Farmer Bill used to go to temple. But then the pressures built up financially and at home. Then when the drought came, he started to wonder, why doesn't the Lord help? When his crops stopped growing completely, he became desperate, so he tries another tack. He sees other nations praying to Baal and their crops were growing. Maybe he'd give it a go. He ran after Baal when the pressures came. Now I'm calling this my way of coping under pressure, but don't worry, I haven't started sacrificing to a pagan god. But we do the same, just in a less obvious way. We run after the stuff of the world because it offers blessing and pleasure, and we do it apart from the Lord, totally disconnected from him. And so I return to my opening question. How have you coped under pressure this lockdown? Maybe online shopping, maybe TV, maybe working out. I'm going to focus this morning on the example of eating. And just to stay, stay straight up, food is a good gift from God for our nourishment and enjoyment. But what happens when it becomes a coping mechanism? Hannah and I had to go into isolation before lockdown began back in March. And when Hannah told me that Lydia had a temperature, I was actually on my way to Sainsbury's. I should have gone home, but suddenly I wanted food. Chocolate crisps, Indian ready meals, more and more unhealthy snacks thrown into the basket. As I walked home, I was annoyed. And so I planned to have loads of takeaways. If I was going to be locked at home, I was going to enjoy it and eat well. I deserve it, I thought. You see, when something had come along and dislodged my plans, my immediate reaction, my coping mechanism, was food. Well, so what? It's been hard. Why not treat yourself to take off the pressure? But here's the problem. When food is where we go under pressure, it is taking the place of God. We should go to God, but we go to food apart from him. And apart from the Lord, there is no good thing. This is why David says, verse 4, that those who run after other gods, other stuff, 
who worship them with their money, their lips, they, verse 4, will suffer more and more. Now, obviously, there are bad physical consequences to unhealthy eating. But what about emotionally, mentally, spiritually? Well, what about Olive? She finishes the ice cream in her episode. They felt good, but only momentary. The the pleasure has gone, and she wants more. So she gets another bowl and presses play again. Eventually she goes to bed, but she doesn't sleep well. The pressures, the anxieties about lockdown and work, they're still there as she tosses and turns. Food was only a distraction. It did nothing to actually help. The next day and onto the week, she lets her mind get more and more distracted by the thoughts of treats, takeaways, TV, shopping. So, in a rare moment of calm, when she really ought to be working, she finds herself browsing the internet for her next comfort fix. But then the toddler wakes up, ending her pleasure. And so she gets annoyed at her child, at her husband for not being home to help, at herself for not getting her work done in time. She's short, tempered, with the children all afternoon. And she gets through it with the help of chocolate digesters. This pattern continues and worsens. And as she teaches her body self-indulgence, she quickly forgets self-control. And not only in the area of food. She's left feeling irritable, increasingly anxious, and like there's a deep emptiness inside of her that she desperately needs to keep on filling with one distraction after another. In David's words, she suffers more and more. Those around her suffer more and more. Apart from the Lord, there is no good thing. But then There's David's way, David's coping mechanism. Verse 5, he prays, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. David turns not to a portion of chips and a glass of wine. He turns to the Lord himself. The Lord is his coping mechanism. The Lord is his comfort. The Lord is his pleasure. The Lord is his satisfaction. The Lord alone and nothing else. And oh, what wonderful consequences. Verse 6, the boundary lines. That's David's inheritance in the promised land. It's the stuff of life. It's pleasant and delightful. See the effects on his body in verse 7. At night his heart instructs him. He no longer tosses and turns in anxiety. Instead, verse 8, with his eyes off chocolate and on the Lord, he finds stability. Verse 9, his heart doesn't panic, but is glad. His tongue does not snap, but rejoices. His body rests secure. Even when he faces death, verse 10, he finds peace. 
by turning to God. And then verse 11. Oh, how empty is food compared with being filled with God's joy in his presence. Oh, what temporary pleasure is TV compared to the eternal pleasures we'll enjoy at God's right hand. My way, getting through the day on snacks, apart from the Lord, it's not even worth comparing with David's way. My way is the path of emptiness. David's way is the path of life. But of course, it isn't really David's way, is it? On the first Pentecost, Peter quoted this psalm and said that it was about Jesus' resurrection. And indeed, all these words most truly apply to him. For Jesus is the only one who could wholeheartedly say to his father, Lord, apart from you, I have no good thing. You are my portion and my cup. Jesus was the faithful one who God would not let see decay. It was he who could go to the cross, true cross, truly looking forward to eternal pleasures on the other side. And so for us, it's not David's example we follow. It's Christ's. And the example, the instruction that he gave was this. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so we can go a step further than David. From our vantage point in history, we can say, Jesus Christ, you alone are my portion and my cup. Apart from Christ, I have no good thing. We can feed not only on the Father, but on the Son. And as we remember his cross, we can feed on his love, his humility, that we are forgiven and adopted, that there is a happy ending, that in Christ we are not abandoned to the realm of the dead, that we too can look forward to eternal pleasures at God's right hand. But how? What do we actually do? Well first, we recognise. We recognise in the morning when we wake up and we're scrolling through Amazon or eBay or Facebook or whatever it is, distracting ourselves and putting off whatever we're meant to be doing that day, putting off Spending time with the Lord. We recognise when pressures come, what our first port of call is. Or we recognise our grumpy and anxious emptiness. So we recognise and then we pray. And we say over and over again, Jesus, you alone are my portion. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Even though we know that deep down we struggle to believe it, we say these words. 
and we ask for forgiveness and we plead for his peace for our bodies. We say, I don't like what this is doing to me. I don't like the irritability, the restlessness, how it consumes my mind. Give me your peace in my heart. You alone are my portion and my cup. Apart from you, I have no good thing. And God may give you a sense of peace right then. It, it may come with time. But we pray and we trust that God will help us. And then we get on the, with the rest of the day. And when it's time for lunch, the food no longer carries an impossible burden. But we can eat it with joy and gratitude, resting in Christ. Let me pray. Dear Lord Jesus, you alone are our portion and our cup. Apart from you, we have no good thing. Might each of us this week experience the peace and joy and something of those eternal pleasures that comes from finding our comfort, our safety, our security, finding all of our needs satisfied in you rather than the things of this world. For your glory we pray that this might be true in our lives. Amen.